We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Pack a Day podcast, episode number 459. Oh my god, I am your host, Zachary Jacobson, and you are more than likely listening to this on the morning of a primetime game in Kansas City. The Green Bay Packers will travel to Kansas City to take on the 5 and 2 Chiefs. The Packers 6 and 1 coming off their biggest win of the season over the Oakland Raiders. They won 42 to 24. Aaron Rodgers uh slung five touchdowns and ran another one in. The old man as Matt LaFleur would uh like to call him. Yeah. So Packers going into Kansas City. Last time they came there for a regular season game, they were, uh, I believe, 13-0. Uh, they were on the cusp of a possibly undefeated season. The offense was unstoppable. The defense was horrible, but they were forcing turnovers that season. They were the defending Super Bowl champions, and they lost to the Chiefs. A, a very surprising loss that kind of nobody really expected to happen, but it happened. And the Packers ended up finishing the season 15-1. Matt Flynn came in. Slung six touchdowns in the season finale as Aaron Rodgers sat, which a lot of people will say Aaron Rodgers sitting in that game is the reason why the Packers came out so rusty and with such a lackluster performance against the Giants in that divisional round. But that's neither here nor there. We're not going to talk about that. I don't want to depress any of you. The reality is, right now, 
The Packers are 6-1. and one. Okay, Matt LaFleur, he is the first head coach in team history to win six of his first seven games in his debut as the Packers head coach. Do you do you realize how, like, everybody knows how historic this franchise is and how far back the Packers go. Obviously, they haven't had that many head coaches, you know, which is really, you know, impressive. But LaFleur, first head coach, and that's in a history with, with uh, Vince Lombardi, and Mike Holmgren, who had you know, who had Brett Favre during his prime years when he won three straight MVPs, it's it's a really really impressive start for the floor, and it's promising, it's encouraging. The whole team is vibing. Aaron Rodgers will tell you that himself. The whole team will tell you that themselves. The whole vibe in the locker room is different. Apparently, everybody just seems to love the energy and the chemistry, and they're just it, it's a hell of a time in Green Bay right now, and it's just a complete culture shift everything wasn't like this under Mike McCarthy obviously so you know it's it's definitely as I said encouraging to see the Packers kind of moving in this direction and their record their performance it they're they're reaping the the rewards of the work they put in and of just the environment that LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst general manager that they've all cultivated in that locker room in that building it's this is the result everything seems to be clicking the defense, you know, when the offense wasn't really performing early early on this season, they were still trying to work out the kinks and figure out, you know, who they are, kind of what works, what doesn't work. They're still trying to get some of the verbiage in the offense down. The defense carried them. And for the first time in a long time, Aaron Rodgers was carried by his defense. So all those narratives that you know Packers Packers fans have stuck to throughout the years about Aaron Rodgers having no defense and you know seeing Tom Brady you know get carried by his defense whenever he doesn't perform you know we've, we've seen that all of the time with the Patriots or even other teams around the league you know when their offense is underperforming the defense is able to hold their own weight and, and kind of carry that offense to a victory it, the Packers have that kind of defense right now. now now, if you're going to use last week's game against the Raiders as, you know, a measuring stick for that, I, I don't recommend it. Don't watch the tape of that game because the Packers got carved up by Derek Carr. They got gashed by Josh Jacobs, who is a very impressive rookie running back, who is, you know, kind of not taking the lead by storm, but he's going to put a lot of people on notice throughout this season if he hasn't already. Uh, the Packers saw that firsthand. Hell, Adrian Amos saw that firsthand. On the Raiders' first possession of the game, he got just destroyed by Jacobs. So I'm sure his bell's still ringing a little bit. The Packers couldn't get to Carr. I don't think they registered a single quarter, uh, a single QB hit on Carr, which is saying a lot for a duo like Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith, who have been getting to the quarterback. They they are both in the top 10 in the league in sacks this year. Uh, so it was just it, it was an impressive game plan by John Gruden. He got the ball out of, out of Carr's hands quick. The pack kind of negated that pass rush, uh, and, and the Raiders took advantage of of that opportunity and of the fact the Packers playing a very heavy zone defense. And regardless, the Raiders just sliced their way down the field. But the Packers bent; they never broke, and that's kind of been their mantra the last few games. When they, when the defense hasn't been you know really up to par. They get in the red zone and they're they are forcing stops. I mean, the Raiders got into the red zone three times, and three times the Packers forced you know forced some kind of stop, forced the Raiders to either settle for a field goal or they forced uh, you know the hustle of Blake Martinez forced Derek Carr to fumble out of the end zone 
which resulted in a touchback and gave the Packers the ball. So that was a huge swing in the game, obviously, but not here to review that game. Just kind of rehashing a little bit of what the Packers have done in recent, uh, recent weeks. So going into this game against the Chiefs, obviously you have high hopes for this offense. Going against a defense that hasn't really been able to hold their own uh, last year or this year. It's kind of, you know, the, the headline of that roster has been Patrick Mahomes. It's been Patrick Mahomes and how good he's been, how impressive and just generational his arm has been. So, uh, oh, wait, just got a, just got a report from Adam Schefter. Devontae Adams not expected to play. So by the time you guys listen to this in the morning, you will have clear word that Devontae Adams will not play. Against the Raiders, uh, against the Chiefs. So there is that. Just got that notification on my phone at 9.01 p.m. Saturday night. There you go. As it happens, live here on the Pack of Day podcast, even though you're not listening live. But by tomorrow morning, you will know that Devontae Adams, who, yeah, like I said, he was listed as doubtful with that turf toe injury. Officially out. Anyways, yeah, Packers going into Kansas City. And this this is the Chiefs team. I'm going to kind of run you through their, their team totals right now. They're 24th in yards allowed per game. Now, that's not because their passing defense has been terrible. They're 10th in passing yards allowed per game. It's They're getting da- they're getting gashed on the ground. They're 29th in rushing yards per game and 13th in points allowed per game. So they're, teams are kind of running all over this defense a little bit right now. And that 13 points allowed per game metric, is it's kind of skewed. I mean, they held the Broncos to to six points last week, but I mean, it, it was Joe Flacco. The Packers, the Packers played the Broncos earlier this year, and you know, Flacco was carving his way down the field as well. They kind of had the same game plan as the Raiders did with Carr. They got the ball out of Flacco's hands quickly, and he was just able to work his way down the field. He's a veteran quarterback. He, he you know, he he can manipulate the field in certain ways that most young quarterbacks aren't going to be able to do. And that brings me into this. The Chiefs are going to have Matt Moore starting in place of Patrick Mahomes. He he's a veteran, okay? He's been in the league since 2007. Okay? He he, he was back up in Carolina, spent several years in Miami, I believe eight, eight seasons, and uh he is the backup right now in Kansas City. He has 30 starts under his belt. He's played in 51 games. He's never been a real starter in this league. Uh, since 2011, you know, he, he played in 13 games that year, started 12 of them, led the uh, Dolphins to a 6-6 six and six record during his time under center. But he's never really been a starter, at, you know, at, at the position. So that taken into consideration, he has kind of seen a few things. He's been in the league for a long time. He's been under a lot of quarterbacks. He's been with a lot of OCs, been with a lot of QB coaches. He kind of, he knows what he's doing. So just because it's Matt Moore and it's not the flashy name, it's not, you know, some guy that you're, that you, you know, you're, you're kind of scared of. Not at all. But Matt Moore, given the weaponry in the Chiefs offense, Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins and Travis Kelsey and that two-headed duo running back with LeSean McCoy and 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 Damian uh, Damian Williams and it's not even counting for for Nicole Hardman. The Chiefs have a lot of speed on that offense, and Lafleur will tell you that. He mentioned it in his press conference earlier this week. That offense is rich with speed. 
So you don't need someone like Patrick Mahomes. You you can have Jamarcus Russell back there under center. You can have Jamarcus Russell at the helm of your offense. He will know how to get the ball into the hands of some of the playmakers that the Chiefs have in their offense. So that being said, I would not be surprised at all if this is a high-scoring game. I, I predicted a 37-30 Packers win. Now, I'm assuming that this that that offense that they're that the Packers are kind of putting together right now, everything's starting to click. I think they carry it over into this week. And you know, we all we all knew well, most of us. We all knew before the season, new offense, new coach, new system, new philosophies, everything. It was going to take some time for this team to fully click and to really figure out what they want to do offensively. I assumed it would take a couple months. It's happening a little little faster than I expected, but we're seeing what happens when this offense is rolling on all cylinders. Even without Devontae Adams, they have Marquez Valdez-Scantling out there catching passes, Jake Kumro, Alan Lazard making these crazy acrobatic alien catches along the sidelines. I, I mean, the Packers, this scheme that LaFleur implements, it allows guys to be schemed open. Like, guys are getting open, and Aaron Rodgers is looking as comfortable in the pocket as I have ever seen him. Okay, he he's dropping back. He is hitting guys out of his drop. I have not seen him hit guys consistently out of his drop since his early years, since 2010, since 2011, when he was really getting into a groove. Now... You look at the Chiefs. They already rolled out multiple players and several starters. Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Kendall Fuller, Eric Fisher, and Andrew Wiley. They're all out for the Chiefs. So big parts of their defense, big parts of their pass rush are are, are going to be missing. I'm sure Rodgers, LaFleur, that, that whole group, I'm sure they're going to take advantage of it. And I'm sure the running backs, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, they're going to play a significant role in the game plan tomorrow, as they as they have the last few weeks. Aaron Jones has stepped up. Jamal Williams, when, when he has the hot hand, LaFleur isn't scared to ride him. And that doesn't just completely rob Aaron Jones of, of, of getting work, of getting reps, you know, as it would in the previous uh, previous offenses throughout the, uh, the last couple of years. But when Jamal Williams is just gashing a defense and he is having his way and he's catching passes it's kind of hard to to take the ball out of his hands. Same can be said for Aaron Jones. That's the beauty of the Packers' backfield right now. They have a multitude of options with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. Who knows what Dexter Williams is going to be turned into, but he finally got some playing time last week uh, when Tim Boyle came into the game. The Packers, uh, they were up big over the Raiders, so Tim Boyle came in, Dexter Williams came in, he got some carries, nothing you know too impressive. But regardless, the Packers have a very nice two-headed punch thunder and lightning duo right there in the backfield and guys that are playing a huge role in the passing game i don't even need to reference the the crazy uh, touchdown catch that aaron jones made last week in the right corner of the end zone where he adjusted late in his route to make the catch and that's a week after dropping an easy touchdown down the seam wide open against the lions so i would say he kind of atoned for for his little mistake there but yeah, the Packers are gonna ha- are still gonna have plenty of options with or without Devontae Adams. I mean, Adams, who you know, the last three weeks he's been immediately ruled out. Well before you know, you know, like on, on Friday when the last injury report comes out, 
Devontae Adams, he's ruled out for the upcoming game. He's not going to play. That's been the case the last three weeks. But throughout this past week, he's been doing a little bit more in practice each day. So that's something to kind of keep your eye on. That that means he can probably return next week against the Chargers in Los Angeles. So that's kind of something to keep an eye on. He, he was still, you know, given an injury de- uh, designation is doubtful. Him and Robert Tunyon, the tight end, they were, uh, he's doubtful as well. Doubt he plays. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, actually, if the Packers rested Devontae Adams through through the bye week. Because obviously, turf toe, it's a very painful injury. We've heard all about it, you know, while Adams has been sidelined. It's just horrible to deal with. And the Packers obviously don't want to rush Adams back. He's their star receiver. You know, he, he is the, the one of the centerpieces of this offense. And the Packers right now, they're 3-0 without him. They're, they're, I don't want to say they're surviving, but they're getting by just fine without him. Aaron Rodgers, has had, he just had his best game in years, and it was without Devontae Adams. Now, no, I don't want to say, I don't make it sound like I'm, I'm, I'm making it, you know, like Devontae Adams is disposable. I'm not trying to make it seem like that by any means, but if this offense can keep operating the way it is and they aren't showing any signs of slowing down, Obviously, tonight's game against the Chiefs is going to be, you know, a little bit of a, um, uh, you know, a, a measuring stick for that. Kind of see how, you know, you'd be able to gauge it better. You know, how they look next week against the Chargers. Adams doesn't play. The Packers play the Panthers at home a week after that on November 10th. And then they go into their bye week. So the, the Packers want to give him extended rest. Just, you know, you don't want to get, a, you know, no, no monkey business with this turf toe injury. If that's the case then by all means, they can rest him through the bye week. He can come out come out a fresh man, and he's here for the latter stretch of the season, for the playoff run. Because the Packers, right now, they're at the top of the NFC North, and if you ask me, sights right now should be set on contending at the top of the NFC. I know winning the division is obviously the first numero uno. That's that's the goal. But right now, the way the Vikings are trending, I mean, they had a, you know, 19 they put up 19 points over the Washington Redskins at home in Minnesota there was nothing impressive about that game except Kirk Cousins completion percentage uh and that's Kirk Cousins he's 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 a robot and I mean that in like the worst way possible I don't mean he's like some generational quarterback talent like he I, I I'm pretty sure he's a robot okay he's just a really weird human being but uh anyways nothing the Vikings did looked impressive Outside of the completion percentage, maybe Dalvin Cook. He looks good every single week. There's no surprise there. But Vikings are, are, aren't looking great. The Bears are kind of just a mess. And the Lions, they started the season strong. They're trending backwards, despite how good Matthew Stafford is playing. And everyone knows how much I love Matthew Stafford. Uh, the Packers, they just seem like the clear-cut top dog right now in the NFC North. I don't think there's any debate about that. They should. The, the sights right now, in my opinion, are set on the NFC, winning the NFC or contending for that one seed, that two seed, having home field advantage throughout the playoffs, making teams come to Lambeau Field in January. That is going to that is going to ruin a lot of teams' plans come uh, come come the winter time. So that is that as far as the Packers' upcoming schedule goes, their injuries. And one interesting uh, interesting thing to note on Saturday, the Packers downgraded Blake Martinez too questionable he's dealing with a wrist hand injury right you know just call it a wrist injury 
dealing with a wrist injury. He was a full participant in practice on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, but wasn't really given an injury designation for Sunday's game. So he reverted back on the injury report. He was questionable. And, you know, the times that had, that has happened this season with the Packers were, you know, they do their Saturday walkthrough and everything, and guys, they either, they're either upgrade on the injury report. That's been the only case this season. Guys get upgraded on the injury report, and they get the opportunity to play the following week. So, or the following day, excuse me. That's not the case this week. That's not the case this week with Blake Martinez. So if Martinez can't go, it will be his first missed game since his rookie season in 2016, when he played 13 games. He's played in the 39 games since then in 27, 2018, and uh, all seven games this year. So I don't care what your opinion about Blake Martinez is. I don't want to hear it. We <laughs> we that that is like the hot debate across Twitter, like every single week. Every time Blake Martinez uh, leads the team in tackles, someone has something stupid to say. It's like it's like bad to lead in tackles now because it's such a it's an empty hollow stat. He leads the league in tackles right now. He has led the league in tackles since 2017. He has more he has like almost the same amount of tackles for a loss as Luke Keekley and Bobby Wagner. I, I, I think it was Keekley who had 29 and Wag, or, or Wagner who had 22. I don't know, but the numbers were very similar. And Martinez has more sacks than both of them since 2017. So I'm not saying, I'm just saying, I'm not comparing him to Luke Keekley. I'm not comparing him to Bobby Wagner. I mean, you, you guys have seen my tweets. You've seen the numbers compared. I put them out there with no context. You can draw your own conclusions. That's what the internet is for. Form your own opinions. Do what you want to do. I'm just putting the numbers there for context. That's all I can do. It's just, I just don't understand it. Why knock, why knock Blake, why knock this guy for tackling, for doing his job? And, you know, the reality is we don't know. You know, everyone says he makes his tackles four yards beyond the line, beyond the line of scrimmage. We don't know what his assignment is. We don't know if his assignment is to sit there at the second level and wait for the play to come to him because there have been multiple times where he's pressed the line of scrimmage and he's forced running backs to the sideline where he has he has closed gaps on players and he has made plays. But nobody wants to remember that because it doesn't fit their their dumb internet narrative that they just want to spout off to their, their 90 Twitter followers because they think anybody really cares when in reality they don't. So... Blake Martinez, obviously a significant player in this defense. One of the leaders, he, uh, I believe he wears the communications headset. Um, if he can't go, then that means B.J. Goodson likely takes his place right there at, as, at the starting middle linebacker spot. And B.J. Goodson, he, he's been a solid, he was a solid uh, pickup. Packers got him uh, in September, I believe. He's played in 163 uh, defensive snaps. Only Blake Martinez has played more at the middle linebacker position. So that 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 163, that's over 34% of the defensive snaps. So, you know, sometimes the Packers like to go with a hybrid look. They bring a safety down into the box that, uh, you know, with no Raven Green, no Abraham Campbell, who is still working his way back from the PUP. That means uh, Adrian Amos has to step down in the box, you know, play as a hybrid linebacker, and that pushes Will Redmond back to safety, where the Packers have just been getting destroyed. Which, side note, Darnell Savage comes back tonight 
so that should kind of solidify the back end of the Packers secondary. But anyways, no Martinez means Goodson steps into a spot and that could open a bigger role for Oren Burks. It just, it depends how the Packers view him right now. He's still, you know, he came back from his pectoral injury, uh, played very sparingly against the Cowboys. He's, he's played in 30 snaps, you know, since that week five game. So he hasn't been a really big part of the defense since returning. You know, he's he's a third round pick here in his second season. He's been hindered by injuries in his career to this point. So it's obviously not really encouraging. If the Packers really want to see what he's about, then going up against a veteran quarterback like Matt Moore in a hostile environment, that's throw him out there, see what he can do. You know, that's why they drafted him. He's an, uh, an ex-safety convert. Let him, just let him play at the second level. Let him play that, that, that cover position, that cover linebacker position. And that kind of just makes things easier for B.J. Goodson, less, less he has to worry about. He can just play the run. And that's a big reason why the Packers, too, haven't been operating with those those uh, those hybrid safety looks. Not only because they're, they're weak in numbers there, since Raymond Green's on injured reserve and they don't really have anyone else outside of Adrian Amos who could step in there, but they have been playing big at the second level to combat the opposing run game. And it really hasn't been working. But anyways, that should just about do it for this episode of the Pack-A-Day podcast. Everybody, thank you for listening to me ramble for going on over 23 minutes now. I hope you enjoy the game tonight. And obviously, we're all rooting for a Packers victory. Remember, I'm putting this on record right now. I did it earlier in the show, but I'm doing this again. Okay? 37-30, Packers win. I'm putting that out there on the interwebs just so it's there. I hope nobody cuts this up. That's the worst part about actually having a microphone now, which you know I I, I do want to thank Maggie, Maggie Looney again. Thank you for the microphone. Makes my voice sound crispy. But anyways, that's the worst part about having the microphone now too, is you know, when people if people want to take a stupid take of mine that I say on the air, then they could just cut it up and it sounds crystal clear. It sounds beautiful. And they could just do whatever they want with it. Before at least my voice was a little bit muffled by, you know, using a crappy microphone, but now it's just out there and you can just you can just hear me. Just like this. But anyways, thank you everybody for listening. Uh I appreciate all of you. And if you want to follow me on my new Twitter account, the Twitter account that isn't suspended yet. Um, yeah, if any of you don't know about that yet, yeah, I was, I was Zach A. Jacobson. I was suspended for God knows why. I still don't know why. Um, they didn't give me a reason or any rhyme or reason, evidence, nothing. So you want to follow me on my new account. My handle right now is Z.A. Jacobson. You can find me there. Uh, you can find my work over at PackerReport.com and Cheesehead TV. So uh, like I said... I hope you guys all enjoy the game tonight, and go Pack Go.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.